0: 2525. 25. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk.
1: And good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network as we are coming to you tonight live from the South Carolina Football Coaches Association annual clinic here at the Crown Reef Hotel at Myrtle Beach. Coaches from all across South Carolina are here. High school coaches, college coaches. The Gamecocks just arrived in mass, led by the head man Shane Beamer and we are honored and feel very fortunate. Coach Beamer stopping by to spend a few minutes with us here before he goes inside to mingle and maybe have uh, a cold beverage and a nice meal. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having
2: me on. Great to See you here and excited to be here with so many great high school coaches
1: and college coaches across the state. We've been at this thing from the beginning. You know, way back 30-something years ago, they had it in the locker room at USC. Wow. Don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. And they would serve hot dogs. (laughs) At, for lunch, you know, they'd start yeah. in the morning. It was one-day thing on a Saturday, uh, lunch, uh, meetings, lunch, and then more yeah. in the locker room at, at, at the stadium, so wow. before the locker room became what it is yeah. now, so yeah. we go way back. Um, let's hit some news while we got you here. Yeah, Sean Elliott, tell us about how that went down and what it means to you.
2: Yeah, it's awesome to have Sean back. He's passionate about this state and, and University of South Carolina and wanted to be here and um, you know somebody that i 've got a lot of respect for and and uh had an opportun had an opening on our staff and we had some conversations and it just kind of led to where we are right now, so really excited to have him here he he uh he 's had a full day already got approved by our board this morning, and here he is in in Myrtle Beach tonight with us, so excited to have him here and really like the staff we 've put together. Four new coaches and and, uh, really like uh, the alignment and where we are and eager to get going with spring practice next
1: month. You've really uh, gotten older as a staff on the offensive side. That's a good thing?
2: Yeah, I think so. I like the fact that we've, you know, whether it's older or not, we've got guys with lots of experience. You know, the three new coaches on the offensive side of the ball, two have been offensive coordinators, and then the other one has been a head coach yeah. and Sean. So when you hire Marquel Blackwell who's been an offensive coordinator, you hire James Coley who's been an offensive coordinator, it's called plays. You know, I think it just helps Dow because you the chair that I sit in is very lonely. <laughs> And that chair of the offensive coordinator is lonely as well. And when you've got somebody that understands what you're going through and can bring ideas and aren't afraid to voice their opinion, I think it helps. It helps me as a head coach, and then it helps – I know it helps Dow in that room also.
1: With Sean, a vast array of knowledge and experience. You know, head coach, coordinator, offensive line coach. He's coached tight ends. He's been hired to coach tight ends. In some way, could he help Lonnie Teasley a little bit with the offensive line? Do you foresee that?
2: Yeah, Lonnie and I talked about it, that, you know, this is an opportunity for, you know, Sean can make us better in the run game and overall. Um, Lonnie's excited about learning from Sean. Sean's excited about working with Lonnie and what he can learn from him as well and being able to marry everything. And at the end of the day, we all want to win football games. And uh, when, when we win football games, it's obviously good for all of us. And... I think it's a situation when you're coaching the tight ends, it's the one thing I love about that position, and I've coached it myself, is you're involved with every facet of the offense, the run game, the passing game, pass protection. Um, so his expertise in the run game will help us at tight end, but throughout the offense as well. You know, So the tight end works closely with the offensive line just because – our tight end is involved in the run game and he's working with the offensive tackles specifically so there'll be a lot of carryover and there was last year when jody wright was coaching the tight ends and there will be again this year with sean coaching the tight ends and working working with our uh, run game
1: talking with shane beamer usc football coach were you surprised that coach elliott was open to your whatever overtures you had that this is a head coach now at a group of five school in a major city and yeah he's he's willing to give up being a head coach to step take a step down and be a member of a staff
2: a little bit you know it's one of those where uh, you know sean somebody that i was close with when i was an assistant coach here with him mm-hmm. and our families are close and you know we've kept in touch and and i've got a lot of respect for what he's done at georgia state and uh you know we uh be- We've talked about it. His family's been in Columbia since he's been in Atlanta. So I would see his family or see him in town or different different events like this. We were together in Macon, Georgia just last week, I guess, um, for an event. and So I kind of knew where he was from a personal standpoint. But still, at the end of the day, I asked him, I'm like, explain to me why you would really truly want to do this as well and, and play devil's advocate for yeah. him. Like, yeah. you're going to go back to – Doing this as an assistant. The, the, the head coach grind is a grind, and then the assistant coach grind is a grind, but in its own way too. Yeah. And just making sure he wanted to go back to that. And he did, and and uh, I understood the reasons why. And I know it was not easy for him to leave Georgia State, but he was coming back to South Carolina and a chance to uh, work here with, with, uh, with, with, with the great people here in Columbia.
1: So not to get too much into your business, but when the position came open – And you knew that he would be interested. Was that your top target? I mean, it was like you had your eyes on him and that was going to get it done?
2: Yeah, it was a little bit of um, initially, um, you know, he and I had some conversations right after the season, just about short-term and long-term, what he was thinking, what I was thinking um, right after the season, regular season ended. Um, And then in this instance, I uh, I wouldn't say immediately. Justin left whatever that was in the last week, and had some conversations with some other people over the weekend, and and I knew Justin Step was possibly <laughs> was, I knew Justin Step was possibly leaving for about a week yeah. before it was announced. So over that week, I was talking to some people, and then after he left, I was talking to some people. So there were conversations that I had, but uh, Sean and I's conversations really picked up steam. Really, just middle of this week you know uh really cranked up and and uh i'm really cranked up here the last few days
1: mr clyde wren giving yeah. us directions over here he
2: tells me what to do so some people think
1: of hey, i'm listen. in charge
2: of the program in south carolina it's really clyde wren
1: in this room he's the man there's
2: no doubt i mean he is, he's the man in our football facility
1: as well he's he's unbelievable couple more things before we let you go because if i don't ask you then something comes out i'll kick myself so anything to know that you can tell us that's maybe happen within the program like any injuries that you can talk about anybody having anything done medically no nope, nothing that uh, i haven't already been no nah, nothing Everybody that good? i
2: haven't already been asked before yeah. in a press conference nothing knock on wood nothing mm-hmm. too crazy and mm-hmm. we'll have a uh we'll have a media availability i think early next week to introduce sean so can talk about any updates at that point but nothing new to report and hopefully uh hopefully it stays that way through the weekend
1: you feel like uh the staff that will coach this team in 2024 is now set
2: i say that i hope so um i feel like it is but you know i was i was in the car last march phil it was the day our spring break started which was march and i had an nfl team call me about one of our assistant coaches wanting to talk to him that was in march you know so i uh i like where we are right now i feel like our staff is intact. I hope so, but you know, you never say never. But I know this: our coaches that are here, they want to be here. And if anybody uh, was entertaining leaving, it would be for uh, an unbelievable opportunity somewhere else. Because uh, we got guys that want to be here at this point, and I'm excited about the direction that we're going right now.
1: All right, got to ask you a little personal question here. So, when you were hired, black hair? How are you dealing with? I mean, you're turning a little, little, little white up there. I don't know if it's turning loose, but it's turning. How are you dealing with it at this stage? I'm,
2: uh, I'm probably dealing with it better than maybe my hair looks. It's definitely more gray, and I got a picture in my office still of the my, the press conference the day I got hired, and I look different. <laughs> but transfer portal and NIL and coaching SEC football will do that to you. But feel great and and. Uh, Love, uh, love what I'm doing, love who I'm doing it with. We've got a great group of kids in our program right now, great group of coaches and staff in our program, and excited about uh, the direction that we're going right now.
1: Well, I want to say thank you for stopping by. Yep. Um, always making yourself available to us or anybody else in the media. Really appreciate it. You bet. And go enjoy yourself. You got it. Thanks for all thank you do you. for
2: South Carolina.
1: My thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> I've been wanting to ask that question for a long time. <laughs> Shane Beamer. Yeah, if you go back as we welcome Chris Bergen in, who um, he's got a little he's got a little salt in that pepper. Absolutely, um, been wanting to ask him that question for a long time because if you go back and look at his picture the day he was introduced, he was jet black hair, and you know, <laughs> and now it's it's got a good bit of little bit of good bit of snow. I don't mean dandruff. We got a good bit of snow. All right, welcome in everybody. We had to jump on that because the Gamecocks just arrived and they're anxious to get in and meet with the high school coaches and shake hands and participate in the frivolity that's going on here in just a moment coach Jimmy Noonan is going to join us he's the head of the football coaches association but Chris welcome in I'll let you update the baseball real quick if you would
3: well first off anytime that coach Beamer or coach Sweeney want to slide in off the bat I'll be more than happy to sit back relax and enjoy the interview that was great stuff by coach glad he stopped by Yes, until you you made fun of his hair, and we may never get him back. But aside from that, <laughs> wasn't making fun. I was asking a serious yeah, question. No, it is. It is, and that's what coaching does to people. Yeah. All right, a uh, couple of updates. Uh, they go to the bottom of the eighth inning over in Columbia. It's been a tight game. I think the Gamecocks getting a little more from Miami of Ohio than they would have liked. But uh, Chris Veach came in in the seventh inning, got out of a bases loaded, nobody out jam with a pair of strikeouts, and USC leads five to one going to the bottom of the eighth. Meantime, at Doug Kingsmore, not nearly as competitive. Clemson up 12-2 on Xavier, bottom of the sixth inning. And over in Conway, I've told people throughout the offseason that the Coastal offense may score 20 runs a ballgame. They've got 21 through six innings right now. And I'll ask you this question, Phil. Hmm. Riley Eikhoff through six innings is throwing a no-hitter. How much longer do you leave him out there? In game one of the season, he's thrown yeah, 71 you, pitches.
1: I don't think you can, right? I think maybe you go seven and get a staff no-hitter if you can. I don't think you're letting him. Right. You're not going to throw. Boy, you'll be ro- – uh, of course, what, is, what does Coach Gilmore care? This is last season, right? You know, <laughs>
3: roast me well, if in, you want. In, in the back of his mind, in game one of the regional last year in Conway, he had a pitcher, Liam Doyle, who was throwing a no-hitter through six innings, took him out. They ultimately lose that ball game. Now they're not going to lose a twenty-one to nothing lead. I mean, yeah. it was compi- uh, much tighter uh, in the uh, regional. But yeah, no, I think yeah, I think you do a disservice to your pitching staff if you run a guy out to have him pitch all nine innings, hundred plus pitches in game one of the season.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay, thank you. We'll get into other things in a little bit. We're going to talk basketball, of course. We'll have recruiting. Uh, Mike Morgan at. Uh, 6.35, George Bryan at 7.35 with special guest, Carrie Tharp. Kerry putting his hands on golf clubs after steering wheels all those years at, at Darlington. But let's find out more about the clinic. We welcome in the director of the South Carolina Football Coaches Association, Coach Jimmy Noonan, to Sports Talk once again. How are you? Phil, doing wonderful. You're following Thanks for having me back. You're yeah. following Shane Beamer. Well. It's tough act. Uh,
4: that is, that's, that's quite Okay. Uh, Is it going to follow? It
1: was quite the buzz that came in with the Gamecock coaches when they arrived in mass just a few moments ago.
4: Well, they demand a lot of attention. And Clemson coaches earlier in the day, uh, they're obviously uh, the largest state universities and and, uh, most prominent football programs. But, um, you know, if you're a young coach and uh, those folks roll in, you step aside and you're in awe. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, remember those days, it seemed like yesterday, but of course that's... 30 years ago but you got to love it the the association
1: you got to love it that the college coaches and I saw coach Beck is here and the coastal guys are here in force and I've seen other coaches you got to love the fact that they're coming out to talk with these guys share some insight information teaching clinicking as they say that's well, got to be a big boost for it
4: it is and it's one big fraternity it really is uh, being a coach and being called coach uh, it means an awful lot and uh, we rely on each other we rely on uh, the folks at the upper level uh, for for knowledge and uh, we're, we're gracious to them and that they'll take the t- out of their time to come and speak to us and help keep us on top of the ball game it's something that they do from the start of the day to the end of the day where' You know, high school coaches. We've got uh, our the main job is to educate kids, and uh, you know, our second job is to is to coach football. Yeah. But uh, it enables us to stay on top of the ball game, and they rely on us to send that keep sending them kids, good, solid recruits, and and uh, the more prominent programs, obviously, are successful programs are, are able to. Um, you know they, they get it they get their knowledge from these guys so it's it's a relationship that we got to keep going and uh, we think that they're come down for us when these uh, these clinics we have uh, we've expanded into December as well in association with the North South mm-hmm. Week uh, that is our association's game and uh, uh, we've expanded that week and of course we've always done this uh, February clinic and I this this is some 45 years going strong. I was
1: telling Coach Beamer because he wasn't aware. I mean, I think I was there maybe 40 years ago, 30-something years ago, and the clinic was on a Saturday, and it was in the locker room at USC. And they would meet in the morning, have hot dogs for lunch, and then meet again in the afternoon. I mean, that was all it was, in the locker room at at USC. Of course, it's just blown up since then to what we have today.
4: I can't say I was there at that point. (laughs) <laughs> How, uh, coach uh roscoe was there he was yeah uh, coach roscoe was, uh, yeah. helped start the association and uh, the model is from uh, area states and uh, their associations but uh typically texas you know what we do and most everybody else is we follow the, the, the texas model and, mm-hmm. uh, as a matter of fact coach beck and his crew uh, and the, a lot of those coaches came from texas
1: so what will the typical just say i'm a I'm a defensive line coach at good old Latta High School. They wouldn't hire me, but just say I was. What could the typical high school coach learn this weekend at this clinic? What What should they expect to take away?
4: Well, Brian Smith is our clinic director. We, uh, we farm out the responsibilities in our association. It's all uh, volunteer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian does a great job of balancing the speakers. We have a, a handful of offense, handful of defense, and We try to have an offensive speaker going at the same time we have a defensive speaker. And I guess over the course of a weekend, we'll specialize into each of the position groups. Defensively, obviously the line, linebacker play, uh, overall philosophy, we'll have defensive back play. And uh, we make sure we hit all those check marks before the weekend's out. And, uh, you know, in special teams as well. We'll, well, we'll check them all off.
1: And the, the college head coaches that come in and their assistant coaches, the, inter, the interaction between them and these high school coaches, I mean, that's invaluable uh, really both ways. I mean, we know what the college coaches are looking for. They want relationships leading to, to players, and the high school coaches, they're looking for knowledge and, and maybe some contact that could help them down the road.
4: Oh Absolutely. Uh, it's a networking uh, atmosphere as well. Uh, but but more importantly, like you said, it's the relationships uh, that just keep going strong. And, of course, uh, it's uh, uh, the coaching carousel uh, as it happens from December to February before spring practices crank up. Uh, there are opportunities that exist, and they only come from the relationships and and obviously uh, rapport and relationships. Uh, you know folks it's are able to stay on top of the game and be they're they're successful in what they do
1: yeah visiting with Jimmy Noonan for a couple more moments let me ask you about a couple of issues high school football maybe nationally or pertinent to South Carolina so as you know things are happening crazily in football and it's going to trickle down to the high school level NIL type opportunities I don't know that we have that in South Carolina yet but it is happening in other states want to get your thoughts on on that and if that's an issue to you in in your opinion and also the realignment and what the high school league uh, has done to maybe kind of level the playing field with some of the private and charter schools and do you think they did that did the realignment achieve what they are hoping it was going to achieve with the multiplier
4: well i think time will tell and we used models from uh, other states and i know that our high school league uh, used models from other states and they were introduced the proper way through the uh, proper uh, way through through our constitution mm-hmm. uh time will tell you know it's it's only speculation at this point uh, but the the goal once uh, again is to level the playing field and um we'll just have to see on that end and but uh, our association, we do feel uh, these uh, scenarios, NIL, is, is is a hot topic, and mm-hmm. it is trickling down into high school. And mm-hmm. how we will deal it, we don't, we don't know. Uh, we'll, we hope to hear a little bit more from uh, Coach Early tomorrow. He's coming to the, the conference, and, and he'll speak just a little bit. But uh, that is uh, something that uh, we'll have to address uh, as time moves on.
1: Okay. Well, we thank you. You're spending time with us. I know you got a little party getting ready to take place in there, some awards you're going to hand out. And Oh, by the way, um, when will the coaching staffs for the Touchstone Energy Bowl North-South be announced?
4: When the regions and the classifications are finalized, and that is uh, that will be held at the AD Clinic next month, mid-March. Nothing's really finalized until that time. Okay. Uh, We would love to be able to uh, announce those uh, here at our conference. Of course, the Shrine Bowl staff has been uh, announced that we'll introduce those uh, to the body tomorrow uh, so that they can go ahead and get started on potential nominations and sharing film. Um, Our Combine Series will begin next month in March as well. Uh, It is the Carolina Combine Series uh, through our Coaches Association. And... um, that is specifically for the shrine Bowl coaches and the north south coaches to evaluate kids or the the uh, rising seniors for next year and they'll go ahead and start making their short lists um, as early as this coming month so it's important for all our young folks out there especially these rising seniors to make make sure they're going to these combines but um, that process is uh, not this one that's here in the off season it's rocking and rolling
1: really there is no off season no there's not no not with football not with any sport for that matter if you're a great basketball player you go right from your high school season to your grassroots participation to whatever and same thing with baseball i mean there's no stop in any of the other sports
4: there's not now i guess you could get your stress meter out and either it's high stress time or it's a low stress time (laughs) but it's it's always it's always rolling for sure well
1: it looks like everybody's having a great time i i uh That's a great crowd. You can tell when people are enjoying themselves because they're just not leaving. They're just lingering and talking and meeting these coaches. Thank you for coming over.
4: Yes, sir.
5: Appreciate it. Great seeing
1: you. Enjoy the weekend.
5: Yes, sir. Good
1: seeing you. Coach Jimmy Noonan, the director of the South Carolina Football Coaches Association. We thank him very much. I've known him a long time. Out of uh, Sumter High School, fullback, went to the Citadel, was quite good until a guy named Everett Sands came along, took his job, (laughs) he was telling me. He said t- he took his job. Um, okay, well, that's a heck of a start to this show, and I see Coastal's tacked on a couple of more runs.
3: <laughs> they have. They're up 23 to nothing, and to answer our earlier question, they have pulled Riley Eikhoff after six no-hit innings. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. I think so. Uh, the College of Charleston, one one score we didn't update there in front, 12 nothing on Marshall, uh, hosting Marshall this weekend. So a good start for the college as they stretch down at Patriots Point.
1: And you mentioned South Carolina, bottom of the eighth. The Gamecocks are up 5-1. to one. I think Clemson's hit a couple of grand slams in their game. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're up 12-2 over Xavier, so they're doing what they should be doing. Um, while I have a moment, let me take a look at various stats here and see who's done what for South Carolina. Offensively, the Gamecocks so far in this one, they, have, um, they only have uh, six hits. So it's not like they're ripping the cover off the ball. And uh, no home runs for the Gamecocks. Jones went six innings, three hits, one earned run. He struck out five. Copper followed, and now Veach has pitched a couple of innings. So he has come in. Clemson, as far as some of their numbers, some of their stats, Canarella has a three-for-four day going with three runs batted in. Mathis has one of those grand slams, and the other went to Naraki. And he's two for four. Got to learn those names, Mathis and Naraki. Grand slams for the Tigers. Pitching-wise, Barlow started. He went five innings, three hits, two runs, neither earned. He struck out two. Titsworth has come on. He's pitched the last two innings. He's given up two hits. And did you touch on any of the particulars with Coastal?
3: I did not outside of Eikhoff's, uh no-hitter. I mean, they've, they've hit several grand slams I think Coastal has in their game. Uh, this is a, a scary offense, especially the middle portion that, that uh, Killer B's portion of their lineup has six, seven RBIs apiece. Hmm. Uh, Bender's got a home run. Uh, Beach has a home run. Uh, Books has a home run for Coastal. So, yeah, the uh, ball flying out of uh, Springsbrook Stadium today. Yeah, even At a pinch At least on the hitter. Coastal side.
1: Even yeah, even a pinch hitter they put in, Barango, another B. So they got four straight Bs, Barango, Bodine, Bender, and Beach. Yeah, <laughs> The killer Bs. And you mentioned Eikhoff, uh six innings, no hits, struck out three, and Johnson is now on. Okay, we're going to catch our breaths, and we'll hit the break. And Mike Morgan, Mike Morgan, he can't top what we've done so far, but he can try. He's coming up after the break. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. We're coming to you from the South Carolina Football Coaches Association annual clinic here in Myrtle Beach. If you're just joining us, we had Shane Beamer with us right off the top of the show as the Gamecock contingent arrived here. The Clemson coaches have been here throughout the afternoon as well. It was Beamer's first opportunity to talk with anybody publicly about his new hire of Sean Elliott from Georgia State to be his tight ends coach and offensive, well, work some with the offensive line, but coordinate the running game. If you missed that interview, we'll have it up on our website, sportstalksc.com, not long after we sign off tonight. So a lot going on here. College baseball happening all across the country. South Carolina 5-1, to one, top of the ninth over Miami of Ohio. Clemson at, after 7-12-2 over Xavier Coastal Carolina, 23 to nothing over George Mason. Runners on first and second. They're in the bottom of the seventh. And the uh, Chanticleers, their pitchers still have not given up a hit. So they've got a staff, no hitter going at this point. And we'll update other baseball as well. Right now, though, it is time for this week's edition of Morgan on the Move, starring Mike Morgan. Here on Sports Talk, brought to you by State Farm agent Gary Patterson. For 35 years, Gary's been serving the real estate needs from Lugoff to Lexington, Columbia to Blythewood. Your auto home life insurance and business insurance can all be handled by Gary when he isn't refereeing ACC football. He's spending countless hours helping South Carolinians with all their insurance needs and making a difference in the community. Go check out GaryPatterson.net today, and Gary will go over the best plans for you and your family, that's GaryPatterson.net. Sponsored
0: by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at LoveChevy.com. Find new roads.
1: Mike Morgan joining us now here on Sports Talk. We've got so much going on. I know when baseball season opens up, Mike, and, and welcome, by the way, it's great to have you with us. I know when baseball season opens up, maybe um, a little bit of hair on the back of your neck, uh, they go up because of your love for baseball and, and the excitement of having college
6: baseball back? Yeah, I mean, it's always an exciting time. <clears throat> I will I will avoid the annual the college season starts way too early, uh, soapbox, but it remains to be true. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad the weather cooperated in South Carolina today. I hope it does for everybody the next, uh, a couple of days this weekend, but no, it's, it's an exciting time. The other reason I, I wish it would start later is obviously, I mean, it, it's, it's running counter to, to basketball and the most exciting time of the basketball season. And obviously. You know, in your state, you've got two programs having breakout years. And so uh, I, why compete when you don't have to? Um, but, you know, it's a story for another time. It's it's yep. always exciting. i am got my eye on that. i got my eye on the Braves. Uh, you know, they're down there in Florida for spring training. So, yeah, always a fun time.
1: All right. So I went to Auburn Wednesday night for South Carolina-Auburn, and it was huh. – It was all Auburn, and it really wasn't the case where the jungle was that much of a factor. I mean, the place was filled, but they weren't crazy over the top like they're going to be tomorrow night with Kentucky there. Uh, But Auburn just played lights out, and they shot the ball lights out. It was not not the typical South Carolina team we'd seen during that seven-game winning streak. I think Auburn just took them out of their game early in, in South Carolina and never really got a feel for it.
6: Yeah, I, uh, I, I've said this for a while, that it, it, every team in a league like the SEC this year, you, you get one mulligan. That's your mulligan. Yep. Uh, nothing went right from, from the tip on. And really, if you look at this team, they've only had one bad half all year before this. When I say bad, I mean really bad. And that was the, the second half against Alabama. Uh, this obviously was two bad halves. That's your mulligan game. Uh, I would have no... Uh, no doubt that they will be back in in better form Saturday against LSU. Uh, There's still a lot of very winnable games on the schedule. I've seen really good teams I mean that same Auburn team was coming off a game two games. They beat Alabama then they go to Gainesville and got smoked and then they go back home and they beat Carolina by 40. So Mm -hmm. I mean that's just sometimes a roller coaster that teams ride.
1: Well picking up the pieces is something they They'll have to do in a hurry with this LSU team coming in. I know you've seen LSU. They're not having a, a real good year this year. What has been the primary issue for them this season, or has it been a multitude of things? I just think
6: in a, in a year like this, they're just a little bit short on the talent. Uh, I like some of their players. I like Jalen Cook, the point guard, although he's been kind of erratic. Um, I, I, but, but they just don't have the firepower. I mean, when you look at the nine teams right now that are, are slated to be in the NCAA tournament from this conference, they are really good teams. Like they, they just are. No. And so it's not like LSU or, for example, I've got Georgia, Florida tomorrow and Athens. Georgia's not a bad team. Hell, they beat, they beat Carolina and Columbia. Um, in, in another year, five years ago, when this league was down, LSU might finish, you know, 11 and seven. But in a year like this uh, where it, it's, it's just unforgiving, and so they've been humbled a bit. So they're not bad. They're, they're just not as talented as the teams right now, one through nine.
3: Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move with us here tonight on Sports Talk. And, uh, Mike, I remember it was either last week or the week before. It may have been right after Carolina beat Kentucky. You said, look, Kentucky's still the most talented team in the SEC. So what's wrong with those guys? I mean, you watch them play, and you just think with all the talent, as you pointed out, I agree with you. They are, they are absolutely yeah. one of the most talented teams in the country, but for whatever reason, they just can't put it together on a consistent basis. What do you think is the problem? And Finn's well, curious I mean, about go- that as well, my dog. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard that. He, clearly, he's asking all the
6: tough questions tonight uh, in between chewing on rawhides. You no, know, No, I, I think – I think, uh, the problem is with Kentucky, they're still immensely talented. I mean, you, you've got a, a handful of first round picks on that roster. Now they have been injured. They have been without their point guard Wagner quite a bit. And that's the key. When Wagner's not in there, they're just, they're a team that's got a lot of firepower, but they don't have a, 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 a true leader, a, a true point guard, a guy that can take control, calm everybody down, basically be like a Talon Cooper. So he's back now. But their problem, their biggest problem, is they don't defend anybody. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. They, they just don't play a lick of deep. So they're the most talented team, but I would say Tennessee right now is the best team. Of course, Carolina will have them again in the rematch at the CLA. But, yeah, I just think Kentucky has to figure out, do, do they want to play and execute better on defense? Because at times they look lost at that end of the floor.
3: And then you watch Auburn and what they were able to do against Carolina, and they've done that to everybody at Neville Arena. They're, they're an entirely different team at home. Uh, as Phil pointed out, do they feed off the crowd? Is that part of the reason they are so much better at home than they are on the road? Again, this is a team that, no no offense, but Appalachian State beat in Boone earlier this season. So what is it about Auburn when they play at home that they, it doesn't translate for them away from home It could present, uh, prevent them? Because I think they've got Elite Eight skills but since it's not going to play the tournament at home, I don't know that they advanced that far. Uh,
6: they're, they're, FIFO agrees. Um, <laughs> yeah, I look. I, everybody's better at home, right? But there's certain home court advantages that are that are distinct. And what Auburn has, it's a it's a cracker jack uh, uh, arena. Seats about nine thousand. They're all packed in. And the students are right there and play a major factor to make it one of that louder arenas. Now, as Phil mentioned, I mean, when you win by forty and you're playing Carolina, not exactly a natural rivalry, uh, it's not going to be their best. You want to see their best look. Go to the Kentucky game. Go to the Alabama game. Mm-hmm. Uh, heck, go to the Florida game. I mean, that's that, it's that's uh, different stuff altogether. But yeah, they just it's just a younger. More exuberant crowd, whereas a place like Alabama, Tennessee, uh, they're not bad, but it's just a little bit different.
1: Uh, Mike, last thing, South Carolina. This is I'm asking this for the uh, from the aspect of the Gamecock fans. So South Carolina, five to one, top of the ninth. Assuming they win this game, Sh- should they go? Would you expect them to go fifty six and zero this you know this season if they win this opener? I'm, I'm asking from the standpoint of the Gamecock fans, and if they don't, should they fire the coach?
7: <laughs>
6: uh, yes, after every loss, I think you should start the show off with Coach Kingston should be fired, Coach Backett should be fired, every, at both every team should go fifty six and zero. But but short of that. Yeah, look, teams, just like the midweek games, uh, you're going to lose some games to, to the, the mid majors. You just are. Mm. And it, it, I hate, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but in a lot of ways, it, it's, it's so much more insignificant than what you're going to have when you play those 30 conference games. That's where you're going to make your season. It, 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 that's where you're going to make your resume. That's when you're going to find out whether or not you're good enough to host whether or not you're going to have to be a top-eight national seed. That's the biggest part. That and, of course, the four matchups or the three matchups with Clemson. So I, I don't get too worked up about over stats or anything else that happens in February games against the team from the MAC.
1: You have yourself a great weekend. Great call tomorrow, and then we will talk to you next week. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Right,
6: sounds good, guys. Have Thanks, a great Mike. weekend.
1: You too. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move, five to one. South Carolina, top of the ninth. Though Miami, Ohio's got runners on the corners, two outs. Clemson, twelve 2 bottom of the eighth, twenty-six to nothing. Coastal over George Mason, the no hitter <laughs> is throw still in, in the place. towel.
3: <laughs> so throw in the towel, come on, George Mason. And
1: the Citadel, you haven't heard a whole lot of this around uh, the quad at the Citadel. The Citadel wins one to nothing. I'm sorry, fourteen nice. to two. They're one wow. and zero. the Citadel over St. Bonaventure. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back here to the high school clinic, have another guest coming up, Neil Smith, the executive director of the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives North-South All-Star Football Game, America's premier All-Star Football Game. He's going to join us for a few minutes after the break. We'll find out about off-season preparations with that. And uh, we've got recruiting coming up. Uh, Jeff Owens on NASCAR. Hey, it's Daytona weekend. He'll be joining us a little bit after 7 o'clock. Don't go away. Much to do here on Sports Talk Friday night from the beach, from Columbia, and from
5: Sardis. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required.
8: When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. $0 $0 deductible What's a deductible you say That's the price you have to pay Before the insurance will say We'll help you They keep that number out of reach Because they know that you won't reach That number because they know You're healthy 605 $0 deductible 605-7905 727 is the area code
3: You've put in the work for your education The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you Being educated about playing the lottery is no different It helps you be a better player One who knows when to play and when to take a rain check the lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. We're coming to you tonight from the South Carolina Football Coaches Association Clinic in Myrtle Beach. Always a great time. You get to see a lot of people involved with high school football, college football, all different aspects of the game here in South Carolina. We want to welcome to our microphones Coach Neil Smith from White Knoll, but also the executive director of the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl every December here in Myrtle Beach it's the best all-star
5: game in the country in our humble opinion welcome in i might be a little biased but i agree as well and and thank you for having me phil always a great time my pleasure first of all i gotta ask
1: what a great job you guys did at white Knoll this year you make it to the state championship game you play your rival for the state championship it didn't go your way but for the first time y'all got there and what was that like for you and then getting over it and moving on what's that been like for you
5: honestly uh you know coach Nick Pelham our head coach has done a phenomenal job to really turn this program around um it was not in the base best situation whenever we got here but um to make it to a state championship game within three years we're blessed and you know anytime you have to play the the GOAT whether it's uh, once and for in our case we had to play him twice yeah um you know it was it was awesome and after that you know moving towards uh the offseason it's it's We've carried over a lot of momentum. Um, our kids are, understand what it takes to win. They're, they're excited, but they, they also know what it feels like, and they want to get back to it.
1: Yeah. Working hard in the off season. Absolutely. They got a taste of it, and they want more, don't they? Yes, sir. Okay, let's talk about the All-Star game. It'll be here before we know it. It <laughs> rolls around so quickly. Y'all did a fabulous job last year. Very nice crowd on hand. We had beautiful weather. The balloon got to go up and everything, so that was great. What? What are you doing in the offseason as far as planning and maybe adjusting some things and uh, maybe taking some new angles and some new looks at things?
5: It's kind of, we actually had a meeting today, Coach Mickey Wilson and I, the head coach of Myrtle Beach, we sat down and met and actually started to kind of revamp some of the rules. Um, But this is a constant, uh, I don't want to say battle, but a constant process of evaluating the game moving forward. You know, a lot of people think they we show up in December and it just happens, it's it's three sixty five working on north south.
1: So, what kind of things are you looking at rules rise that you want to adjust?
5: So, uh, really to clarify a few of the the issues with overtime, make mm-hmm. sure everybody's on the same page, make sure unlike it's, the Super Bowl, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> um, make sure everything is is written accordingly, and so that coaches have that access. And also, we're we're really looking at changing the defensive structure. Um, in years past, it's been a, a 4-2 defense, and just with the way South Carolina high school football is set up right now, it's much more 3-4 based. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at kind of changing the rules to adapt to that. Um, some of the best players in our state play aus- you know, outside back or in the 3-4, and because of the way that the defense is structured, we don't get those players. Sure. So being able to kind of transition into that just to – make sure we get the best players in South Carolina on the field.
1: Let me ask you, a few years ago, I think around the COVID time, uh, they went to the the three-day practice week. Guys come in on Tuesday and you practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So you get six practices, maybe five if you don't do much on that Friday. Is that enough, you think, to have the type of offensive game you know, I know Coach Early, when he was running it, he really wanted offense and a lot of points because that excites people. That sells tickets. Can you can you have that kind of offensive cohesion that you need to have that kind of performance in that short of time?
5: I think so. We haven't had... Uh, I think our games have been extremely explosive offensively. The Really what we kind of learned whenever we had the full week was that we were hurrying up to wait. So we would... You know, we we get all this practice in, and in those last couple of days, there was just a lot of uh, downtime. Mm-hmm. So now when we condensed everything, it really became much more, you know, we, we know exactly where we have to be getting everything installed, and it's much more uh, attention to detail because it's, it's a quicker-paced week. But I don't think we've taken a hit offensively at all with it.
1: All right. Touchstone Energy Cooperatives. Yes, sir. How big are they for this game? Oh. How great have they been to – Help expand amazing. this amazing.
5: Yeah. Uh, there's, there is no north south game without them. Mm-hmm. They are Bob Pauling is, uh, him and Dale Pauling is white. I mean they are fantastic people. They truly love South Carolina high school football. They and they just want to give back. It's uh, no, we we cannot say enough positive things about the Touchstone Energy Bowl. Yeah, they have
1: done uh, fantastic work. Um, anything else you want to mention about? Uh, future ticket sales or anything else you want to add that might be is there anything new going to be added to the uh, non-football part of the game because i know that like friday night's gotten bigger and bigger um what other things are you
5: looking at to add to the weekend or add to that week so we started a couple years ago um playing taking the kids to top golf yes we'll continue doing that i mean we have gotten positive positive feedback from the players which at the end of the day that's what we're looking for is the players have a great time um with the week you know uh we're always kind of evaluating um but we we have learned that the kids really we think bond better doing playing games and uh going to top golf and and setting all that stuff up so um i could see us moving a little bit forward more doing things like of that nature
1: yeah I'm just getting them away from football and just letting Having them connect fun.
5: with one another yes sir
1: well thank you so much for stopping by yes, look sir. forward to talking to you many times seeing you during the season, perhaps, and then in December for sure Absolutely. for the All Star Game. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. You got it. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach Neil Smith, the Executive Director of the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives North South All Star Football Game, December, Doug Shaw Memorial Stadium in Myrtle Beach. Okay. All right. What you got, baseball wise, Chris? Uh, <coughs> oh, you all right? Excuse me. I'm sorry. That's that all choked up, by, it's, by the it's start It's usually of me. Season. I'm the one who's usually <laughs> hacking up a lung.
3: Gamecocks have gone final. They have knocked off Miami of Ohio 5-1, to one, so a uh, solid win for the Gamecocks. Eli Jones gets the victory, goes six innings, allows a run on three hits. USC getting all five of its runs early in the ballgame and then just uh, played pitching after that. They scored five runs in the second after Miami of Ohio got the first run of the game in the top of the first. Lights out the rest of the way. Uh, 5, 6, and 2 for the Gamecocks. So I'm sure Mark Kingston is going to be a little upset about the uh, defense and the lapses thereof. And 1, uh, let's see, 1, 7, and 2 for Miami, Ohio. Stranded 12, Gamecocks strand 9 as they go to 1-0 and o on the season. Bottom of the 8th up at Clemson. Tigers pouring it on. Xavier, they lead 14-2, to two, and they've got the bases loaded with one out. So Clemson poised to go to 1-0 and o on the season. And barring an epic collapse of... You know, Epic proportions. proportions. <laughs> Coastal's going to go to 1-0. This is a big stretch. They lead 26 to nothing in the bottom Oof. of the eighth Oof. inning over George Mason. But you know what?
1: I mean, all right, so coming out of this game, Coastal will be averaging twenty, at least 26 runs a game coming out of this game. So, I mean, look, they could be shut out over their next uh, five games, and they'd still be averaging uh, – about five runs a game. So <laughs> their offensive numbers, they're going to look really good for a long time.
3: Well, and with this tournament, the pitching is going to improve considerably. They still have Indiana and Duke to face this weekend. So yeah. my guess is get all you can against George Mason, who's clearly outclassed, even though they made the NCAA tournament, if I'm not mistaken, last year. But nonetheless, they're clearly outclassed. So Coastal, yeah, their offensive numbers are going to come down. But I'm I'm telling you just from what I've seen out of this team and what uh, Gary Gilmore has told us and other people around the program have told me, this won't be an aberration. 26 runs maybe, but this is a team that can score double-digit runs about every night.
1: That's just too bad for their standpoint that they lost those uh, two arms to injuries. They were counting on those guys, especially the Joyce kid. I mean, he's a special arm, right?
3: As far as I know, yeah, that that was uh, the four. I think they've actually lost about four guys off Mm -hmm. their pitching staff that they're concerned about. So, yeah, that will be a bigger problem, I think, than their offense. Their offense is going to be fine. To carry them where they want to go, they're going to need their pitching staff to step up and pitch like Riley Eikhoff did today.
1: Yeah. Okay. Got to hit a break. We haven't said hello to Pat Daniel tonight. Hello, Pat. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. (laughs) Same to you, sir. Roast beef style Friday. That's right. Lots of gravy. Hey, man, let's go racing. Let's go racing after the break. Jeff Owens joins us to talk about Daytona. Be right back.
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: Well, we're just having one heck of a night here on Sports Talk as we come to you from the Coaches Association's Clinic here in Myrtle Beach with the Crown Reef, beautiful hotel right at the – uh, this would be the, the the south edge, south edge of Myrtle Beach, right at the beginning of uh, of Ocean, uh, uh, ocean. Uh, what do they call it? Ocean Highway? Not Ocean Highway. Ocean, no, not Ocean Drive. Ocean Boulevard. Ocean Boulevard. <laughs> I, I'll figure it out in a second. I've only been coming here for 60 years. Ocean Boulevard and uh, beautiful hotel. They've done a bunch of remodeling and uh, great place to have uh, this clinic. It looks like everybody's having a, a big old time. If you're just joining us. Uh, Shane Beamer was with us in the first uh, hour and uh, first interview he's done since the hiring of Sean Elliott, which was quite the move, quite the move by Shane Beamer to bring um, Sean Elliott onto his staff. Sean Elliott is here with the Gamecock contingent. Love to grab him for a few minutes, but I don't see him anywhere. Uh, they've, they've moved on to other places. Um, but a heck of a pickup for Shane Beamer from that standpoint. And by the way, that reminds me, taking a look at the contract, that Sean Elliott received, he is taking a little bit of a pay cut from what he had as the head coach at um, Georgia State, where he was like in the middle of the Sun Belt. We looked into that last night. I think he was making about eight fifty a year. Right. He gets a three-year deal beginning today, ending uh, December thirty-first, twenty twenty-six. Uh, seven fifty for this season, seven fifty for next season, and seven seventy-five. For the uh, the third season on that contract, and South Carolina will pay one hundred fifty thousand dollars to the buyout on the contract at Georgia State. So uh, they're 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 they really wanted him, and and they're doing whatever they had to do to, to get it done. Plus, there's a variety of uh, bonuses depending on how well the Gamecocks do. A variety of bonuses, like if the Gamecocks won a national championship. Uh, he'll get a sixty-five thousand dollar bonus, gets a car, et cetera, et cetera. So, three-year deal, about seven fifty a year for him to come to South Carolina. And like I said to Beamer, I mean I, they've really aged on the offensive staff. A lot of, a lot of veterans with a lot of football knowledge on that offensive side now, Chris. And that should pay off. That that should pay off mm-hmm. for this offensive unit because they've got with what he took out of the portal and what they've got coming back. They've got some good players. Of course it all hinges on Lenore Sellers and oh, yeah. Uh, or or uh, Robbie Ashford or whoever ends up as a starting quarterback. That's where it begins and ends in in most cases. But they I see nothing but positives for what they have done on the offensive side to replace the people that they had to replace.
3: You know, and we'll get to uh, Jeff Owens here in just a second, but uh, it was funny when you were talking about the Gamecocks having to pay $150,000 for the buyout of Elliott's contract at Georgia State. We've gotten so jaded with the amount of money that's just thrown around college athletics sort of willy-nilly, I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Doesn't a $150,000 buyout almost sound somewhat just ridiculous and punitive as much as anything? Uh, It really is. I mean, it's almost ridiculous to even have one that low. And just I think it illustrates the difference between that level of football right now in college athletics and Power 5 football.
1: No, no question. Okay. Time to go racing. Shall we go racing, boys?
3: Absolutely. Let's, let's do go it.
1: racing, Pat. Pat, let's go racing. Yeah, bring it. Trugity, trugity, trugity. Trugity, trugity, trugity. Trugity, trugity, let's go racing boys, yes sir, let's go, let's go racing, racing boys. boys, come
8: on Chris, let's at Daytona, go racing,
1: we go racing, hopefully, hopefully we go racing on Sunday, but the weather is a little bit iffy, let's welcome in Jeff Owens, our man on NASCAR for another year in the fast lane, appreciate it as always, Jeff, it's a short off-season. We hardly told you goodbye not too long ago, so welcome back. How are you? Yeah, it
7: seems like it was just yesterday, yeah. Shortest off-season uh, off in sports, really, only about a month and a half, two months, but we're right back at it. they are at Daytona, getting ready for the Daytona 500 on Sunday, and uh, should be an exciting race and should be another great season.
1: Well, uh, you know, they practiced today, Uh, Denny Hamlin, 197.4, Eric Jones, 197.4, Christopher Bell, 197.4, Ty Gibbs, 197.3, Toyota, 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 top eight. Now, is that just, uh, what is that? What does that mean? That's the story right now. Toyota and Ford both have new
7: cars or new bodies. You know, we all know these cars are almost identical, but they both got new new bodies, new cars this year. So we didn't really know what to expect in Daytona. We go down there, and the Ford's fired the first shot by sleeping the front row in qualifying, and the Toyotas weren't very fast. But then we go to the duels last night, and we saw what happened. Toyota, uh, The Toyotas went straight to the front in both races last night. They won both races. Tyler Reddick making a great uh, move on the last lap to win the first one. Christopher Bell practically did the same thing and won the second one. Now they've dominated practice. So this looks like a Toyota show. Uh, Every single one of those Toyotas uh, looks really fast and uh, looks like they're going to be tough to beat.
1: So watching uh, the latter part of race two, which is what I got to see last night, a lot of... um in-line racing, not a whole lot of side by side I don't as I recall, maybe towards the end of course, when things got mixed up, they got a little side by side. Should we expect of course you, you never know what to expect at Daytona and, and Talladega because of the nature of those races, but should are we going to see more um, nose to tail type of, of racing or will they will they still go you know side by side? Three wide and things like that. How do you think it will play out in the race?
7: Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think they'll mix it up. I, you know, I think they'll they'll go at it early, uh, then they'll settle down and, and they'll try to run single file for a while and lock some laps and, and wait till maybe fifty laps to go or something like that. But you know, what happens down there? You know, somebody makes a mistake, we have a big pile up, you get a bunch of cars taken out. And then all of a sudden that changes the game. Uh, It also depends on who's up front. Mm -hmm. If you've got some guys, and and we've seen this three years in a row, we've had an upset down there three years in a row now with, with Austin Cindrick, Michael McDowell and Ricky Stenhouse. Uh, It could happen again. So if some of those guys that don't win very often, if they've got a shot uh, to go up there and lead this race, they're going to go for it. So, you're right, this is the most unpredictable race they run, so Mm -hmm. there's no telling what's going to happen. I do think they will try their best to settle down and get to the end, but circumstances may not let them do that, and and you're right with what you said at the top of the segment, weather doesn't look good at all. Uh, It's supposed to rain all day tomorrow and all day Sunday, so... We may be running Monday. Mm. They may get it going and delayed. So all of that stuff could factor into it as well. So we'll see. It's Daytona, so there's no telling what might happen.
3: Jeff Owens in the fast lane here on Sports Talk. Jeff, so good to have you back. I get excited every Friday. We get a chance to chat with you going into the weekend. I want to go back to your point about the Fords, basically stripping things down with the new car and going out and just running great and qualifying Ford in qualifying versus Toyota in the duels last night. Is that by design? Did Ford just want to make sure they put people on the pole that weren't Chevrolets? And secondly, does that bode much better for Toyota because they looked better in the draft last night than say maybe the Chevrolets have and certainly even the Fords?
7: Yeah, it definitely favors Toyota because because Ford did not look good last night. Uh you know, part of that you know, in, the, in, in one of those races, there were only four Toyotas in, the, in that second race and 12 Fords, and the Fords could not get hooked up. They couldn't go anywhere, and the Toyota still won. Um, you know, everybody that goes down there, I think, uh, you know, they, they want to sit on the pole because you get a lot of exposure and a lot of momentum and all that, but, but it, what really matters is how well your car drafts and how it handles in the draft. And when we got into it last night, it sure didn't look like the Ford cars were handling very well in the draft. Those Toyotas—I mean, all the Toyotas, pretty much all of them—qualified pretty bad. So they started at the back last night, and they went straight to the front in both races. Uh, the only ones that could stay with them were the Chevrolets, and they, the Hendrick cars mixed it up pretty good. Um, but the other thing is, they had no—they had not been on the track with no practice or anything before qualifying. So when they, when they took the track last night, that's the first time they've been on the track all week and all season um, with these new cars. So they really didn't know what they had. Um, they do now. We know the Toyotas are fast. Maybe the Fords were sandbagging a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. Joey Logano was on the pole, but he kind of fell back and ran around at sure. the back for a while. Protect, but it looked like he tried to get up there toward the end, and he got about mid-pack, and he couldn't go nowhere else. And Uh, The only Ford we saw up front was the pole sitter, Michael McDowell, and he's the one you would expect to go to the back and just hang out. Oh, yeah. um, We'll see, and and those speeds this afternoon in Toyota, uh, with Toyotas dominating in practice, that backed up what we saw last night. So right now it looks like the Toyotas have a big advantage.
3: If you're Ryan Blaney, after what you went through last night, how much do you rethink your career decisions? Because that was as yeah. hard a crash as I have seen into one of the hmm. walls at Daytona in a long, long time. And secondly, does it speak to the Fords not being able to move and he just got trapped in the draft and had nowhere to go? Yeah,
7: yeah. Boy, thank God for those safer barriers.
3: No um, doubt. Yeah,
7: that was a Dale Earnhardt-type crash. That's the first thing I thought of. My God, that looks just like an Earnhardt crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and because of Earnhardt's crash, that's the reason we have those safer barriers, and that's why Ryan Blaney was able to uh, crawl out of that car. And what a way for your champion to start the season to have a wreck like that. Um, and he was not happy. Uh, he was not happy. I do think you're right. I think the Fords could not move forward. Uh, they were stuck in the middle. And Ryan was trying to make a move, and, and William Byron blocked him, and then they kind of chain reaction behind him. Uh, but, you know, Blaney and Brad Keselowski and all the Fords were stuck in the middle of the draft, and they couldn't go anywhere. So I do think that had a little bit to do with it. You know, you also got, like I said, you got two new cars in the field with a new Ford and a new Toyota. So they don't know yet how hard they can push, you know, how the car's going to move, maneuver in the draft, and, and how the air is going to flow over these cars. So everybody was a little uncertain last night, and they got to moving around a little bit, and it caused a big crash. I think you're going to see some more of that on Sunday, too, because, you know, these cars, they don't know everything about them yet, uh, it, particularly how uh, they run in the draft. And we don't get, in my opinion, they don't get nearly enough practice down there at Daytona. They have another practice tomorrow, but I don't think many cars are going to go out at all probably only about half the field because you don't want to tear your car up so there's going to be a lot of uncertainty on sunday and i think there's a really good chance that we're going to see more crashes just like that and it's probably going to be caused by somebody blocking or pushing too
1: hard before we get your pick tell us about the last man to get into the race kaz gralla from (laughs) front row motorsports just Reading a little bit about him, he has won at Daytona before in trucks Truck back guy, in 2017, yeah. but he got in. He was the last one to sneak into the field, and he got some notoriety last night. Yeah,
7: yeah. Interesting guy. He's been hanging around and bumping around a little bit the last few years. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Phil, that he's from Israel. I, I believe that is correct. Uh, Shalom. He is also – Yeah, and I also believe, I might be wrong about this, I think he also went to Duke, I believe. I Uh could be wrong about that. But I think he went to college. (laughs) He he wanted to race. He got into racing. And he's been trying to land a ride and and break in for a few years now. He's run some truck races. He's run some Xfinity races. And he gets an opportunity in one of the kind of back marker cars there, but he raced his way in last night. Uh, That was a big story. and, And how about Jimmy Johnson? Uh, yeah. Your seven-time champion almost missed the race, but in typical Jimmy Johnson's fashion, he stepped up at the end uh, and got in the field there. And that's another thing to watch, Phil. Yeah. Um, that team that he's racing for, which used to be the old Richard Petty team, uh, they switched to Toyota in the offseason. So you got Eric Jones, Jimmy Johnson, and uh, John Hunter Nemechek driving for that team, so that gives them three more Toyotas on the track to draft
1: with. That's going to make them even stronger, and that's even a bigger advantage for Toyota. All right. I like Denny Hamlin. It seems like, of course, he was winning the second race last night. Then I, I don't know if he made a technical error on the, on the track there late and let some people get by him, kind of drifted back. But I like Denny Hamlin. He's, he's looked strong, led, led practice today. Who do you like? Yeah, you can't go wrong with that pick. I mean, he's won it three times. Uh, he's one of the best there
7: is. So yeah, I think he's I think he's a favorite. I'll throw two other names at you that that might be a little bit of a long shot, but they got great stories behind them. This is the twentieth Daytona Five Hundred for Kyle Busch, and he's never won it. Yeah. Uh, and he's driving for Richard Childress Racing. And if you remember, uh, back in nineteen ninety eight, a guy by the name of Dale Earnhardt. Finally won the Daytona 500 in his 20th start for Richard Childress Racing. So, oh. just a little irony there. Hey. A lot of people are watching Kyle Bush. So, we'll see. The other guy <laughs> I like, uh, even though he's in a Ford, is Brad Keselowski. Um, he's never won it either. Keeps coming close. They got better last year. I'd keep an eye on him as well. But I do think it's going to be a Toyota or Chevrolet show. So, we'll see.
1: Uh the the conspiracy theorist now <laughs> always looking for an angle for NASCAR. Let's just see when that yellow, yeah. when that unjustified yellow comes out to help yeah. um, Kyle Busch get back in the race. Yeah. thank you, yeah, sir. Yeah,
7: the is in for the eight
1: car. There you go. We'll be <laughs> we'll be watching. And of course, who once drove the eight car? But an Earnhardt, right? So uh, that's right. There go, you go Another irony. Yep. We thank you. Right, we guys. look forward to a nice, Thanks, long, Thanks, hot dirty nascar season with you and uh, we'll talk to fun. you next friday okay guys enjoy the race and have a good one you too buddy thank you hopefully we race on sunday i hate for this thing to go to monday yeah
3: no it's it that would be a disaster for nascar you've got to have your super bowl on the day it's supposed to be held it can't go over to monday people have to work you just you lose a lot of luster and all right, everybody's thinking it, so I'll go ahead and mention it. Did Kaz Gralla get some help from the officials since he's the Duke guy and got into the race. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> well Come on, done. Everybody
3: else was thinking it. I'll just say it.
1: Well done, Maestro. <laughs> Twenty-six to nothing. Coastal has finished off the game, and did they call it after six. Uh, no, no. They call it six? No, they did not. No, they um, had to
3: play every uh, every out. You know, they had to get twenty-seven outs in baseball. You can't stop it early. Well, it, it, it impacts the quality of the game,
1: but I just want to mm, yeah. see. Um, that, that
3: really impacted the quality of the game playing those last three innings. And Coastal
1: gave up a hit. So they went they 26 yep. to nothing with a one hitter. They gave up one walk. They uh, did not commit any errors, so only two base runners for George Mason. All right, run to the break. We'll come back with recruiting. And then right around the corner, birdies, bogeys, and biceps with George Bryan third And our special guest, we cannot – we cannot ask him any racing questions let's make a pledge no racing questions for Kerry hey, Tharp. nothing golf but golf now? questions he's a golf okay. guy
0: All right.
1: he he knows nothing about nascar anymore so that will be coming up after the break we'll continue in just a moment don't go away We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, let's say I'm out in the woods or I'm on the water and I need to reach a DNR agent. How do I do that?
2: Operation Game Thief, Phil. It's been around 30 plus years. You can call us at our 24-hour hotline any time of day, 1-800-922-5431. To report wildlife violations or to get help if you're in trouble in the woods or on the water, call us at Operation Game Thief, 1-800-922-5431.
1: Hi, yes. Uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw
6: in a pair of designer sunglasses as well.
8: Um, just lunch, thanks.
6: How about a
3: week at my boss's oceanfront villa?
6: What?
8: When you join the South Carolina Education
7: Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises.
6: Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join
7: the Players Club at SEeducationLottery.com because more happens here.
9: George Bryan here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device.
1: Hey, this is Phil Cornblute. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today. All right, time for the recruiting report tonight here on Sports Talk, brought to you by Sea Another great week at Sea Wells for great buffets. Back at it on Monday, every day, 11 till 2. Roast beef Friday today, so I know it was great. Wish I had been there for that. We'll catch it soon. And you got something coming up that needs the very best for the catering side of things. Just simply call Sea Wells and let them handle everything for you from a catering standpoint. Nobody will do it better and they will give you a great price, and they'll take care of everything, helping you plan, setting it up, executing it, and cleaning it up. Of course, that's the good folks over at Seawells, 803-771-7385. Defensive tackle Christian Garrett, 6'4", 285, Bogart, Georgia, this week. Named Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Southern Cal. As his schools he's focused on at this stage about Clemson, he told us, amazing school. Have really good D-Lyman, really good getting the best out of those D-Lyman. They gave him a good first impression when he was up there. Really good connection with Nick Eason and Dabo Sweeney for him. So really likes Clemson. Clemson's got a great shot with this kid who looks like a type of defensive tackle that they've had up there for many, many years. So he had junior day visits in January to Georgia and Georgia Tech, Off-season labrum surgery limited his travel. He's got an official visit to Clemson already set for that May thirty-first weekend. He also has one to Georgia on June the seventh. Make his decision around the back end of summer. Receiver Cortell Mills of Homestead, Florida, has Clemson among his current favorites, with Miami, Nebraska, LSU, and Penn State. And he was offered today by Tennessee, USC, and Clemson. Target defensive end Isaiah Gibson of Warner Robins, Georgia, was offered by Alabama. Heath <clears throat> Heathwood Hall, cornerback Onus Conanbanny was offered by Alabama today. T.L. Hanna, cornerback Cam Strong, was offered by Tulane. Offensive tackle Mason Short of Evans, Georgia, he named a top four, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Kentucky. One of the state's top prospects in the 2025 class, not 2035 as I mistakenly typed. Thank you very much for those who noted that. Uh, Rock Hill receiver Malik Clark says an official visit to USC for May 31st. Safety Jonte Gilbert of Atlanta, official visit to USC June 7th. Offensive tackle Juan Gasson of Atlanta, official visit to Oregon June 21st. Also Georgia May 31st, USC on June 7th. Linebacker Zayden Walker of Ellaville, Georgia, official visit with USC June 21st. He's the brother of USC signee cornerback Jalewis Solomon, and he is big, big time. Safety Jordan Young, official visit with Clemson, May 31st. Hit the break. Be back. Birdies, bogeys, biceps. Four. Straight down the middle.
0: It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. And that's when my lost sight of it. That little white pallet has never
1: been found to this day. But All right, welcome back, everybody. It is time now for Birdies, Bogies, and Biceps here on Sports Talk. We're at the Coach's Clinic in Myrtle Beach, and we've had a great time here. We have been going helter-skelter, time to slow down a little bit and Talk some golf. We've got George Bryan III joining us and also Carrie Tharp joining us to talk golf as well. We'll have them with us in just a second. want to give you the leaderboard update from over in um, California at Riviera as they play second round of the Genesis. You probably know that Tiger has uh, withdrawn from the tournament because of a back issue. He was two over par and he pulled out uh, – about halfway through his round, I think.
6: It was an illness, by the way, not, not his back. Reports have come out that his back okay. is perfectly fine. He had flu-like symptoms, apparently had a fever, and tried to make it out on the course. But I guess during practice, or maybe it was during the, during his round, he, uh, he felt unwell and actually had to get an IV and fluids. But, uh, but it was not related to his back.
1: Okay, thank you for that. Uh, all right, so we got um, we have got uh, Patrick Canale, 13 under par. He's starting to run away with it. Luke List, he's 8-under after a 69. Jason Day is 8-under after a 69. And uh, Mackenzie Hughes, a 65-8-under. Corey Connors, a 65. He is 7-under. That's the top of the leaderboard. And then Scotty Scheffler, 4-under. Jordan Spieth, 73. He's 3-under. Scheffler shot a 70 Roy McIlroy a 66, he's two under. And Lucas Glover, a 71, he's minus two. Uh, Colin Moore Cowell, a 71, he's minus one. And uh, Justin Thomas on the course, he's plus four for the tournament. There you go. With that, uh, we've got college golf. The USC women won another tournament. That's three wins for them already this year. That's 26 wins for Kalen Anderson as the coach of the USC women. They are. Excellent once again this season, an opportunity, I think, to go deep in the NCAA tournament, maybe win that elusive national championship. Let's welcome in George Bryan III, our special guest, Carrie Tharp, the new co-executive director of the Darlington Country Club. George, you're on the tee, brother. Welcome in.
9: Oh, that's very special. Uh, Glad to be part of this group. This is Darlington Country Club is, was my warm up for the nineteen ninety nine PGA Championship. Darlington Country Club pro lady. Uh, so, and I had no idea that Mr. Tarp was now in the in the role of GM at <laughs> Darlington. Welcome, glad but, to hear that. We we need you, well,
10: George. George, let me tell you something. It's an honor to be on the show tonight. Uh, and uh when, when when they called me the other day to and said that I would maybe have an opportunity to be on uh you have been, meant so much to golf in the state of South Carolina and beyond and and to hear that you said that you played Darlington in 1999 as your precursor for the uh US Open man that is that is fantastic and i want to invite you out uh to the club because it's changed a whole lot i guarantee you since you were here and even in the eight years I've been at Darlington, it's changed a lot. But it's great to be on with you tonight and look forward to our visit.
1: Uh, let me well, let, let uh, me say this, one thing real quick, Georgia, if I may. Uh, KT, I've known you a long time. I didn't know yes, that you, you knew have. one end of a golf club from the other.
10: Hey, Phil, did you know that I knew anything about NASCAR? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's built. It, 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 trust me. And George knows this. It's a lot about relationships. It's about people. And, uh, you know, I, I've been in the state of South Carolina since 1985, which, you know, I consider it a pretty pretty lengthy period of time. But yeah. uh, I love this state. Uh, you know, I love Darlington. I've uh, been here now about eight years. And even when I announced my retirement last uh, December, or at, like, actually, last summer and retired in December. I wasn't going to leave Darlington. People were saying, "Well, why aren't you going to leave?" I said, "Where would I go?" I mean, yeah. I like it here. This is a nice place to live. And and uh, this opportunity came up, kind uh, of around the Christmas break and the first of the new year. And uh, Timmy Huntley uh, is a is a very very successful businessman here in the Darlington area. And, and uh, bought the country club about five years ago. And i tell you what, its, it's trajectory right now is, is heading upwards.
9: Well, I love the track. It is so much fun, and I'm not
10: exaggerating.
9: It was uh, – I, I had a little injury, and the only thing I could play in to prepare for Medina – and that was actually the PGA Championship back in 1999. With
10: I got one you, pro PGA. Lady, I got you. Sorry about that.
9: One, one pro lady. It was a Darlington Country Club pro lady. Hmm. Back in the day, Phil uh, Bland was the head pro. And the club was actually, mm-hmm. of course, was great shape back then.
6: Mm-hmm. But
9: it's nice, nice and narrow. And uh, I think I shot even par, hmm. which mm-hmm. was pleasing to me uh, at the time because <laughs> But because go- I thought it played pretty tough, and I hadn't played in two months, and, and yep. uh, I didn't make a check in the dogs and pro ladies,
10: <laughs>
9: which which uh, means that we had some good players playing. And but I had a blast. Sure. I do. I will take you up on that invite, and I am just dying to know what in the world motivated you to get into the golf business.
10: Well, George, that's a great question. Uh, you know, like I said, I've been here at Darlington for about eight years and I uh, uh, retired from the racetrack. And I live here in the country club community. It's a, it's a great neighborhood. And, and uh, I've been a member of the club ever since I, I, I came to Darlington. And uh, when Timmy Huntley bought this uh, golf club about five years ago, he had a vision to, to really turn it into something special. And uh he's 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 starting to do that and has been doing that the last several years and it's a it's a really, really pretty golf course. Uh it's it's right on a uh the Black Creek and uh he's done a lot of things uh to improve it. Uh he's he's got a great uh greenskeeper and a guy by the name of David Strickland and uh it, it's it's a special place and a special community. Um, I would say that it's too tough to tame because it's kind of a tricky <laughs> golf course. I mean, there's no doubt about it, I knew it that still. was and coming. You can
3: Can't it, help himself. Oh, so you
10: knew it was coming. And, 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 George, let me tell you something. It is. I always love the layout here. I'm not a what I would call a, a great golfer by any stretch of the imagination, but I do like to hit it around. It's a, it's a great layout, and what Timmy and his team have done here have only made it better, and it's only going to get better uh, over the next uh, several months and, and a few years. And so it's, it's a great course, got a great uh, 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 banquet and uh, in, in venue uh, facility, uh, Olympic-sized pool, tennis courts, pickleball courts. And um, I just said, hey, why not? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm in the retired mode, but I still mm. got some gas in the tank, George. And so,
8: <laughs> I got when it. he
10: approached me. Yeah, when he approached me about this, I said, "Hey, I'm all in." And, and so, you know, I can get to the office here, and, and well, I got an office here at the house, but I can get up to the country club in about three minutes, and that, <laughs> oh, that's doing the speed limit. That's doing the speed limit, right? So, hey, and know, that's so,
9: also. My guess is you got a cart.
10: Well, I got my own car here. It it says Too Tough to Tame on it, and it also says Carolina on one side of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, and, and George, you know this better than me. Uh, A country club and a golf course is is such a connector for a community and uh, a great place to be, and uh, it's just – a great, a great time for for me to be doing this in this particular chapter of my life.
1: I have another well, quick I, question. I have, you- a, I have another quick question, if I may. Uh, KT, do you have any dog legs to the left that are sort of like you know shaped like an egg and and like really tight <laughs> because you got a pond back there behind it? You got any of those type of dog yeah. legs?
10: Yeah, we, we, we do have a few dog legs. We didn't want to disturb the pond, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I know where you're going with that, uh, with the uh, story behind the uh, origination of, of Darlington Raceway. But I tell you, we do have the Black Creek that snakes its way through the, uh, the, the golf course. And it's really, really a, a scenic uh, 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 setting. Uh, we've got some big plans here. And I know Timmy has some big plans here to do some things here at the course and attract some out of town visitors and and we're open for play seven days a week uh uh, george and and it's uh it's it's kind of a neat deal i think we're kind of a hidden gem actually here in the pd uh there's some great golf courses around here no doubt about it in this particular area of the state and as you know in the entire state of south carolina but i think we're a hidden gem and uh, I certainly invite people to come out and check out the Darlington Country Club.
4: Now, KT, real well, quick, just... did you say the Black Lake or the Black Lady Lake? Which, which one's on your course?
6: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Black Creek.
4: Ah, the Black, the well, black Lady,
10: Lady Creek. Black Got it. Creek. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Pat. Uh, it's a great creek. and I mean, it's black. It is, a, it, is a, it is a creek that is certainly black. And, uh, <laughs> you know, kids, kids growing up in this neighborhood, and I think even Timmy, when he was growing up here in Darlington, used to swim in that creek. But it snakes right through the course and uh, really gives it a lot of character. And uh, there's some challenging holes that uh, you have to take in consideration uh, with that creek.
9: It's a fun. It's a lot of fun to play, and you
10: you really need to drive your golf ball well. And I think the
9: greens are well done. It's uh, I've just had a blast playing there in the past. It's been a few years. Mm-hmm. And are you open to the you're open to the public? Or or are you a private club? We
10: are. We are, George. uh, And I invite the public to come out to Darlington uh, Country Club and, uh, you know, check us out. Uh, uh, You know, it's a a course. Let me tell you something. And and it's a course that when you go out there, you're going to have a good time. First of all, you're going to be treated exceptionally well by the people in the office and and the folks there at the course. But you're going to have a fun time. It's very scenic. Uh, sometimes you would never think that you're in Darlington, South Carolina. Uh, it's got a little links, uh, uh, feel to it. And, uh, what Timmy and, and his team have done here with it, I think have made it exceptionally, uh, challenging. And, and you mentioned a, a little while ago, it, it's kind of a tricky course to drive. And, and certainly, uh, uh I think, but the greens here right now, I think are some of the best greens ar- around in this area, and so uh, again, I got I got a hand, hands off head, hats off to our dr- greenskeeper David Strickland, uh, Phil, who's actually from Dillon, South Carolina. No, and I know you're from that county uh, uh, over in Latta, but uh, David is uh, exceptionally went to Clemson, learned all the tricks and trades about keeping grass green and making it roll good, and and uh, we're lucky to have him here. So. But, George, I want to invite you over here at some point. I know you're very, very busy there uh, with your own project there at, uh, at the course there that you guys have. Uh, and I played that course, uh, and it's a beautiful course. But I invite you over here. Anytime you can make it, let me know. I would love – I will take you up
9: on that invite. And, yes, sir. And, Terry, you, you also got an invite. Good friend Randolph Smith. I grew up with Randolph. Oh goodness, said, Randolph
10: Smith. Hmm. I know Randolph Smith, yes sir.
9: And this is what he says and I'm gonna use his words because he said make sure to tell uh-huh. him hello, hello. And yep. if you get he can get a quail invite if he gets his game <laughs> in order.
10: <laughs> yes, sir. I remember that. Yeah, absolutely. That that hits home pretty well there for sure, George.
9: Well and and I've been I've been teasing Phil a little bit. Phil, we just you and I need to get our game in order so we can maybe get an here's invite. What we, hey. George,
10: here's what we need to do. You need to get Phil, and you, hey, if you take Phil, then you need to bring a really, really good player with you uh, <laughs> to kind of compensate for Phil. But, no, I, let me tell you something, hey, George. Hey, I, I have a personal invite
1: from KT. I had a personal invite from Lou Holtz to play Augusta National, okay? Remember that?
10: When was that? When was that? We were on the elevator.
1: It was after a spring practice. I'm sure it was. It was after a spring practice in the old coach's office building, and we had the press conference in that little closet room downstairs.
10: I I, I, I remember that because I would conduct those press conferences. That's right. And
1: he got on the elevator. The the Masters was going on. I'm getting ready to walk out, and he goes, Hey, Phil, you ever play the National? And I said, "No, coach, I've never played Augusta." And he goes, "Okay, we'll have to get you on there." And you were nodding. You were behind him, and you were nodding like, "Yeah, he'll do that." Of course, I never heard another I thing from that.
10: It. Yeah. What year was that? Two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, Phil? somewhere in there, about twenty you're years ago. Wait. Hey, Phil, you are still waiting for the invitation? <laughs> I'm <right>? still waiting. <laughs> oh um, goodness!
9: I'll tell you what, it's uh, something. But
10: I tell you what, though, seriously. Guys, really, I mean this, uh, George. We uh, would love. I'll, 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 get a hold of you sooner than later, and we'll get Phil over here and and whomever you want to bring, and and uh, we'll 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 play uh, over at Darlington and have lunch, and I, I I really think you guys will enjoy it. Well, I,
9: there is absolutely no doubt, and I want to know. Talk talk a little bit about, and this is something I feel strongly. Uh, the, what you all do in NASCAR, what what some of the mm-hmm. other sports, but specifically NASCAR, mm-hmm. uh, this is we've got the Live Tour going on, the PGA Tour. There's there's definite some disarray, but uh, mm-hmm. in the overall overall scope of golf, I want to know what some of your ideas are. What do we need to do in our game that uh, that is going to make it more appealing, bring more people in. Right. Bring them, bring right. them more to, the, to watching the game. What do you think about
10: that, Gary? Sure. Well, <clears throat> that's a great question, uh, George, because there's so much for uh, so much content out there for people and so many options, right, uh, for them to either watch or consume on their mobile devices. I just think it needs to be entertaining, uh, which I think for the most part it is. But I think you got to somehow tap into that younger audience. And uh, you know Amen. Uh, to me that's that's kinda where it's going. I mean, I look at NASCAR and I was in NASCAR for almost twenty years and in the in the in the you know, the NASCAR audience is not getting any younger and so I gotta hand it to NASCAR. They did a heck of a job the last say seven, eight years in doing things to try to attract to the young people, whether it be making the, the races more than just a race and, and, and so you know, when you go to the racetrack, uh, there's there's a lot more to do more than just watch the race now, right? And so, I think that's 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 part of it. Uh, I think that uh, certainly personalities are are part of it, and you know, the more personalities you can have in your sport, uh, you know, I think you get you get more people to watch and and, uh, and that type of thing. And and then again, I think it's it goes back to a lot of the. The social media applications that you can do uh in your sport and you know everybody when you go to a sporting event now george and phil knows this too everybody's got one or two mobile devices in their hands and you you go to a ball game and you know particularly when the game is either during a timeout or a, a lull everybody's looking at their mobile device and so you better have something up there on that device that talks about what you're trying to accomplish whether that be in golf or, NASCAR or- college football or what have you. So, you know, I I think there's some, some things you can do, but it certainly is a lot different, certainly than, than it used to be. And, and, uh, but I just think it, it getting to the uh, getting to appeal to the younger people and to the, to the, you know, the quick information that they're looking for is, is important.
9: Well, I just absolutely love to hear that. And the, uh, if you take a look at the telecasts that are going on, I was trying to watch. I was trying yep. to watch just now. It's just breaking my heart that mm-hmm. the, the, I just—I almost have to turn the volume off. Just let me watch yeah. the and and it's moving slow. It seems to be going mm-hmm. slower. And I love what you said yeah. about you know you've got the mobile device. Got to pay attention. The uh, younger folks. Uh, i'm not i don't think the, the folks the in broadcasting for the p b a tour, where they're not they're not kicking into that they're not buying into that well just yet.
10: yeah well they need to for sure <laughs> and and you know i, I think if you look at, at some of the other uh uh major sports and i i 'll take nascar for example that's that's my my most recent obviously experience they've done a heck of a job of doing like you know they get inside the race car. They get inside the driver. They have monitors on the driver. How fast is that guy or gal's heart beating? Hmm. Uh, they have so much data now that they provide the, the the consumer that it's it makes it very very interesting. Even if you aren't a fan of the sport, uh, and so I think golf needs to do that. There's so many things I think golf could do uh, to to make it you know even more appealing. Uh, you know, as far as just the humanness of the, of the sport. I mean, golf is, 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 and you know this better than me, George, golf is a, is a different breed. I mean, it's, it's, it's you and the ball and and your club and the course, and, and there's no other, you know, entity with it. And, you know, in NASCAR, it's, it's, it's the driver and the, and the, and the machine. And so uh, I, I just think that there's other things maybe that, that, you can do from a broadcast standpoint to to bring that at home to the folks that are watching.
9: Oh, no question. I love what you're saying when we Phil, we're going to go over and and Patrick will do it uh or or might have to get Randolph. I'm hmm. going to pick your brain about yeah, what
10: you think and you, what you you, see. you bring any ringer you can to Charlie and <laughs> uh, George. Seriously. And uh I think you you won't be disappointed uh and 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 i want you guys to come over and enjoy our course it's it's uh it's really really come a long ways and i think the best is yet to come to be honest with you uh i can't wait till this summer when it starts greening up and you know this year we have the 60th annual southern 500 tournament i think it's one of the longest running amateur tournaments in the state and it's it's going to take place uh august 23 through 25 and it's kind of the precursor for the uh, you know the Southern 500 uh, race here at Darlington Raceway, and and so we're looking to have a big crowd for for our golf tournament. We've got some some folks that have played in that over the years that have have really really done exceptional on the on the amateur status here at uh, at that tournament, and so uh, look forward to that, and uh, obviously look forward to having you guys over here soon.
9: Looking forward. That'll to be it. fun. I got I got a question, Kerry. This is a real simple one, but. Take your mm-hmm. time. I want to know what you enjoy most about golf.
10: Okay. Uh, well, it's certainly not my game. <laughs> 19-12. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it's not that either. No, come on, Bill. Easy. That was Pat. You know what I that wasn't
1: most? me. That
10: wasn't me. That was Pat.
1: Nah, that, was was that? That, was was that, that was me. That was me.
10: That was me. Who was that? Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, uh, what I enjoy uh, most about golf, uh, George is the, uh, fellowship. If you're out there particularly with, here's the way I look at it. There's two different ways. You go out there with three other people. Uh, most of the time you know who they are and you spend four to five hours with them, uh, at a different level than you would if you were just, uh, either working with them or, uh, let's say, just having any other type of social event. It's a lot more laid back. Uh, you know, it's – it's there's some competition involved, uh, but I just enjoy that fellowship, that camaraderie. And then on the flip side, if you say if you go out and play by yourself, if you go out and play nine or 18 holes by yourself, it's such a – it's so relaxing, at least most of the time it is, right? Uh to to just be out there and and it's just you and the golf ball and, and the course and to me there's no other sport like that, right? And so I think there's there's two ways to look at it. You have the fellowship, which I truly love, and then you have the solitude sometimes that you need when you're just out there by yourself.
9: That's a beautiful answer, and it's after a lot of years in it, I keep asking the same question and tied for first is is the fellowship and the friends that you mm-hmm. make, and you you get a chance to know who you're playing with pretty well. Oh, yeah, it's, definitely. It, golf definitely. draws hey, it out you, of
10: you. <laughs> hey, George, can't you really tell about a person, especially maybe someone that you thought you knew but you don't know, how they play at the golf course? Let me tell you something. Steve Spurrier used to tell me, he said, Gary, you can really tell if a guy's honest or not when you play golf with him, Right. <laughs> so that, that that that's a true thing, you know. So uh, I, I think that's, uh, that's uh, that you hit the nail on the head there.
9: Hey, well, uh, what a privilege to have you on and fantastic. I do look Thank forward you, to taking you up. Look forward to taking you up on your invitation. Well, I'm going. Hey, George, so,
10: listen, listen to yeah. me. I'm going to get a hold of you. And it, it, yep. we're going to make it. this happen. You guys we, are going to come over to Darlington. We 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 got to go.
1: We got to yeah. go. Thank you, guys. We're going to make you. it happen, Phil. <laughs> Thank so you. We're going to make it happen. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.